How's your energy level this week, Sharice? Good. I don't know why. Better than last week. Maybe I'm sleeping better. I feel great. I've actually, this is my first coffee of the day as well. That's why well, I had to get one. Well, it's kind of late, no? It's like 5. I only 5. had. 5.25 p.m. Like this much. I'm holding up like my fingers like an inch. This much of coffee beans left. And it was like tasting coffee flavored water this morning. So I don't count it as a cup of coffee. Mm, but that's what I had this morning. Debatable. There are only two coffee options in my house. Coffee beans, which you have to grind and like use in an AeroPress, or this really, really bad instant coffee that I got I as a gift. I hate instant coffee. I hate it instant coffee. I didn't buy it. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna, making I'm a remark. Th- I'm not going to throw it out. I hate the taste of instant coffee. I hate the taste of canned coffee. Do you it's feel like so it reliable. like cigarettes? I don't know. It's, it does. Anyways. This is Making It Up, co-hosted by myself, Sharice Poon, and Eugene Can. We come together on a weekly basis to talk about things that we are interested in, have questions about, want to get each other's thoughts on. Making It Up is produced by Megan, which is original storytelling at its purest through captivating audio, engaging words, and beautiful visuals. Making It Up is an exercise in analyzing and dissecting important movements in creative culture. It's an opportunity to sound off on each other and make sense of the complex, intertwined world we live in. We try to come to some sort of conclusion in order to be helpful to you, our listeners. But really, we are working through things and we appreciate you working through them with us. Making Up is supported by our generous Patreon members. To help us keep going, consider becoming a member at patreon.com slash for Discord access, exclusive newsletters, and more. Let's get into it. We have a special episode this week you know people kind of like the special episodes throws up we like it we did the wrap up changes things up there are quite a few people who said they enjoyed that in particular so here's a treat for y'all special episode eugene and i are talking about just one topic today and it's not from the news and it's not well it is about creative culture but it's not about other people's work it is about our own work we are launching we're talking about ourselves for once Wow. We are launching at the point of this recording. It isn't live yet, but by the time you're listening to it, it will be the online making store. I think before we kick off this episode, we should have people actually pull up the shop because then they could probably visualize what we're talking about. Okay. Assuming you are in some sort of situation like not driving a car right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Making.com slash shop. And it'll probably add a bit more context. One thing I th- that I look back upon that was really sort of wearing on me was the fact that I had all these things planned and I just wasn't able to launch them. And at some point I was like, oh, you know what? Like, let's cut the bullshit and let's actually like put our heads down and get this done and launched. So I think that was actually a big catalyst for wanting to launch the shop because it was just like something we talked about for so long, something we were interested and passionate about, but we just didn't provide enough framework to get it done. So I'm I'm glad it kind of like wore on me enough to, to you know, sit down with the team and figure out how to get it done. Explain to people why you feel like it's long overdue. Oh, okay. Well, I think that's a good place to le- start. I mean, over the course of Megan's existence, it's had three different front ends, right? So the original one, uh, and then we had one that we launched in about 2019 or so. Original being 2016. To 2019 or so, like a refresh. And then 20. 19 or so we had one that took where visually it looked the same 
but the back end was different. Do you remember that? A little bit, yeah. But from the external appearances, you probably didn't tell. And then most recently, January this year? Yeah, yeah, around then. Shout out to Nate, who we'll probably keep shouting out for the rest of this episode. Worked really hard, both on the front end and the back end, to completely redo the site. Yeah. Essentially. And also have it be live. Just like manage the the whole operations. Yeah. Honestly, Eugene and I did not do a whole lot. Like Nathan is in the purest sense, like a Swiss army knife. Like he's really good at just like taking operational tasks and then putting it all together. Yeah. Nate got it done. And it's like his first time doing all this WordPress, WooCommerce stuff. He's like an A++ project manager. Yep, keeps us in line. But anyways, back to what happened. The point is, 2019, we were going to launch. Yeah, 2019, we're actually going to launch an e-commerce store. I would honestly say, like, one of the biggest changes I've experienced in the last six months for me personally is just far better like load management in terms of understanding what I don't have time to do, and then empowering people to do it. You mean for you personally? Yes. So I think in 2019, can not like making as a group but I think in general you as an individual because you figured out your load management better it kind yeah. of unlocks well, some well, stuff for making also for people that have been following or are less familiar like 2019 if you recall like i think you were in london at the time yeah yeah like i making had to downsize so then i do lot- recall i mean this was like yeah a one-on-one conversation that we had yeah so the downsizing itself also contributed to falling into this rut where you had to do everything and anything. It's actually funny because when you have this massive laundry list, you don't know where to start and then nothing gets done. Like you almost fail to prioritize. I think the prioritization of things and then understanding how you're going to complete them becomes incredibly important. And I would say I actually struggled with that up until recently. You wanted to launch the store 2019. Yeah. And then making how to downsize. And, and then we, you had to reprioritize what Or I failed first. to reprioritize. And even if things were going to take a bit longer, we weren't chipping away at them, Okay, I would say. So yeah. it was like Nate and I, basically. Yeah. Like we, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. we weren't even like incrementally chipping away. And then I think fast forward to now, like 20, end of 2020, 2021, we're like, okay, let's like reboot this thing. Right. And I think some of the component parts were already there. But in short, I think this is a good learning lesson for ourselves and like, Honestly, taking some of the learnings that you get from doing project work for clients with Adam Studios definitely translated over into this because in some ways it's been easier for me to tackle something knowing there's checkpoints. And in some ways, like you don't really do that when you're running like an editorial thing. You're just sort of like, well, what's the next story, right? What's the next thing you're going to do? Yeah. And then there's not sort of any finite timeline. All right. So that's like a long preamble about how we reached this point to be launching the store. I do want to give people who are listening a couple of details about what's in the store. Okay. Go for it. So you can get there via makeit.com, M-A-E-K-N.com. And at this moment, the products in the store, it's a small selection. Intentionally, we worked over, you know, each of these products, I think in quite a lot of detail, actually. So there are five teas. There's two candles with Woodco. There's a tote bag with Dispatch. That's probably the big 
drop the big thing that we can talk about a little bit more in detail. We have disposable cameras made with Psych Blues film and also some logo pins. The Woodco collaboration is with a mother-daughter duo in Hong Kong who made the candles with us. One's called Hard Work, one's called Wind Down, which I like as well. Like they've, this idea of... Yeah, they've been conceived to... <laughs> sounds funny when I say it. Sounds it sounds pretentious, but it's like one's a daytime candle and one's a nighttime candle. Well, I think of it more of like state of mind. Yes. Like the candle matches with like the state of mind you're in. And then... The tees that have graphics on them were done with Derek, a, a Hong Kong illustrator slash friend here who yeah. helped us work on a couple. He came up with a bunch of great ideas and we're running two of them, which we've called Shared Ideas and Making Moves. And like I said, you know, the cameras are with Psych Blues pins and then there's the toe with Dispatch. So if you ask me one thing that I'm really excited about and proud of the selection of products is the fact that the Almost all of them, except like maybe the pins were done in collaboration with other creators. If people listen to this podcast, you know, we are big champions of working with. What was that term that we talked about recently? Not gig economy, not creator economy, but cooperation. Yeah. The cooperative economy, essentially that like being able to do things where many people can be a part of it and contribute their expertise. And in most cases, we definitely didn't want to take on a ton of inventory. So it was sort of befitting to work with these people because we could do slightly smaller quantities. Yeah, I mean, I think, it's totally to our benefit. And also the fact that like we don't have to reinvent how to make candles. Like we're working with people who already know how exactly. to do that really well. And I think you you have this discussion a lot. It's would you trust... Macon, if Macon released a candle on its own. Less. I, less. That, I mean, that's my I would like to think you trust us, but trust us I less. Mean, if I try to be like objective and think about like, oh, Macon as an editorial platform, it's like asking you like, if the New Yorker just came out with candles, like how strongly do you feel about those yeah. candles versus if like they collaborated with whatever, a small yeah. candle company, essentially. Yeah, I think that definitely sticked your lane. Do you want to talk a little bit about the dispatch show? I know there's a lot to say and that we do have a completely like standalone editorial feature on it, but maybe you want to talk a little bit about how you and Rich came up yeah, with Yeah, so this. actually Rich and I, we linked up in San Fran in 2019 because we were doing a Unexpected Connections dinner at Namu Stone Pot. For those unfamiliar, Unexpected Connections is this joint event series that we do with Intertrend. And, you know, during that time in San Fran, we had discussed doing some sort of like one-off project that wasn't actually going to be the tote bag. It was a, call it a new approach towards a camera strap where the camera actually hung from the front and you could unhook it via fidlock. So for example, through a one-handed motion, you know, you could draw the camera up to your eye and shoot. I think that's actually an interesting point though, because Eugene, like I remember even three years ago, you asking me, if making members were looking for specific kinds of items to travel with or shoot photos with, like, what would that be? And you had this, like, kind of specific brief in mind of, like, products that would be genuinely helpful to this creative workflow or, like, a creative person's, like, lifestyle. Yeah. And that's where I think the camera strap idea came from. Yeah. And in, in some ways, it didn't really materialize because we couldn't figure out some of the engineering challenges. But stay tuned. Maybe yeah, someday. Maybe, maybe we'll fix it. But you uh, and Rich have been friends a long time. Yeah, so I've like known Fritz pre twenty. I've known 
Rich since probably 2008, 2009. So before that, he was working at PayPal uh, and also helping for this streetwear store called Purist. Uh, I think it was in San Jose. Uh, and, you know, over the course of that, we just stayed in touch. He's one of the dudes that I've always been really good friends with over the course of, I guess, my my quote unquote career. And we always saw eye to eye. And, and to be honest, like, Rich has always been a mentor of sorts because he basically went off and started Dispatch. Now he's part owner of Darkside, which is a streetwear store, pretty well-known streetwear store. So he's he definitely has like this entrepreneurial uh, foundation under him. And I've always looked to him for like insight. And the thing that I really appreciate about Rich's projects and things he does is they exude a really strong human touch. So what I mean by that is it just feels like anything that he does has like this very human element around it where you know someone is on the other end of it, right? It doesn't feel like this very sterile experience. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that you mentioned this. I don't know if you were leading up to this, but the tote is called Done Slow, Done Right. And that is at least a very good representation of the tote bag, I think, like the way you and Rich have worked on it. And I think that's also kind of an encapsulation of what we'd hope for the store. And definitely there are hiccups that I'm sure will materialize as we like continue down this path of like selling things online. I think we've talked about this before and how to say this, like what does scale look like for Macon essentially rather I, than getting caught up in, you know, these like external metrics. Yeah. If I'm going to be very honest, I think we, we talked about this maybe on air, maybe not, but if we could generate enough revenue and profit to basically pay salaries and run it for the first, let's say, 12 months as break even, then I would be very happy, right? And for those unfamiliar, like right now, a lot of the Macon's bills are paid by Adam Studios. And it's, I, I told Charisse this, I think a few, few months ago, it's not that Macon itself can always rely on someone else to exist, but I think you're also handicapping its growth if you're overly reliant on someone else. So to use an example of if making itself doesn't find a way to generate revenue, right, which is right now Patreon and soon to be the shop, it will always have a very limited amount of growth potential if it's relying on outside sources of income. Yeah. Versus like if making earns, you know, let's say $100,000, it can utilize that as it see fits to grow the business and to grow, you know, its footprint or whatever. Yeah, because even though you and Alex own Adam Studios and make it, there is still this relationship where there's this like predetermined amount going to make it. And so that's like you said, like that's the cap. Right? Yeah. In some ways, Adam Studios has reseeded Macon with this chunk of money to produce product, to get the development right for the e-com site, et cetera. But yeah, I think that in many ways, I also look at it a bit as a marketing cost. Because as a digital publication, it's really hard for you to spread a message um, you mean, intentionally. You mean, are you talking about the store for Macon or Macon towards Adam Studios? I'm talking about the store. Okay. I think that the, the reality of the situation is that nowadays, it's hard for you to stumble into a new experience online because of various reasons, right? But if Sharice is wearing a Macon t-shirt and she's walking you know, down the street 
a lot of people might interact with something by virtue of that. And they never ask for it. And it's kind of weird because it's like, yes, you're wearing advertisement for making, but that's that's what I mean when it's a marketing thing. Yeah. I mean, I think about this store and selling products a couple of ways because I know we had talked before about environmental concerns. Like oh, 100%. And and they still exist. I'm not saying like we reached a point where I was like totally resolved on the environmental consideration. Because if like you really push me on it, I'm, I feel like, well, no, we don't need to not just make them, but nobody needs to keep making things. But then on the flip side, I think so much of what creative people do does manifest itself in tangible objects. Yes. And I say objects intentionally because... Even though we sell things, there is something just creative in the expression of your work in a thing. No. And it just so happens that selling it means that you can keep making more things, right? And so that's I mean, like where the commercial aspect comes in. I do have two things that I want to address in relation to that. One is like super minor. Like I'm not even going to claim it like this big revelational thing, but when we did get the poly bags for the t-shirts, we did go with uh, invisible bag, which are these plastic S bags made of, I think they're made out of cornstarch. But basically if you put it in, in warm water, like hot-ish water, then they'll just disintegrate and you can like pour it down the drain or whatnot. Yeah, Not cool. to say that there aren't other issues with, what's the word I'm looking for? I've been reading also that there's the potential that an abundance of that can also impact like the pH of water. I guess the question is, like, is it enough that we are aware and discussing this and trying to make allowances where we can that make a difference while still selling things? Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's then, always on our mind. Yeah. And then you used to, there was a phase of this podcast where you'd always be talking about, like, net positive. Yeah. And it, the reality is, like, you bringing up the financial situation of Macon is that part of the impetus for the store is so that making can pay its bills like yeah. that's that the reality of the situation is that's that why most we people sell stuff need, right we need the store yeah. to keep on going i mean we're hugely thankful to our patreon supporters but this is another way this is like another stream to yeah. keep us afloat what else were you going to add i was going to say in, in a most ideal scenario you would sell like a file for a design and people would just print it locally on like their favorite shirt or an old shirt and that would be kind of cool because then you don't have to worry about shipping costs. It's kind of like buying a 3D printed file and then printing it locally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, someday. That's actually not that hard to do. Soon, then. I just don't know if people would actually do it. But anyways. I can't say whether people will or will not. I feel like we should, you know, we're so bad at marketing that we're doing this episode that's supposed to be like celebratory. Yay, we are launching the store and Eugene and I are just going on about Shitting like on ourselves. all of these concerns we had. Okay, I want to do say that there's something else I'm really excited about, which is that if you are a Patreon supporter of Macon, you get discounts straight off the bat. And we also have a member exclusive product for Patreon members. I would love to keep doing member exclusive products. Because I think that's like a really good tie-in of, you know, making community and producing things that people want according to like their input, yeah. you know, like they're having actual say in how making runs and what it yeah. does. For the longest time, like I, I kind of alluded to this on my 
making briefing intro where I said, it's nice to justify a product. And I have to kind of like preface that and like, just basically like having a reason why something exists. I would say we're, we're pretty honest with ourselves and that when we look at the products we're releasing, we're like, okay, we have a reason why this exists. It's not like, cause I think someone will buy it. Like I honestly, in this very early stage, like I don't even think that that can really factor into why you create stuff. Cause you don't even know. We really don't. I mean, Eugene off air asked me, are people going to buy the dispatch show? And I was like, yeah, they are. But actually, Eugene, if you ask me like, oh, are people going to buy the teas? Like part of me is like, I don't know. I actually, I genuinely can't say, right? Like I, I wear making teas, but I mean, I'm just one person. I also work for them. So yeah. Yeah. Actually, this leads into a question I did have. Do you remember like ages, ages back, we talked about this sort of like tote bag phenomenon yep. and how tote bags with kind of cultural branding signaled certain things, mm-hmm. right? So like if you carry a New Yorker tote versus a... Fox News. Exactly. Even though it doesn't exist, but yes. It probably does. You say that, but I bet there's okay. a Fox News tote out there. Anyway, it says something different about you. So I was wondering, what do you think someone who's going to buy like the make and tea or the make and pin, which is like apparel, right? Like wearable is saying about themselves. It's a good question. Actually, to this day, we haven't really been able to cleanly encapsulate who the make and reader is. Cause it's more of a, like a frame of mind than it is like any sort of like physical denomination. I, I guess in short, like if you're going to be someone that wears a make and t-shirt, I think that you have a pretty clear sort of understanding around what Macon represents in regards to its analysis of creative culture, right? And I think, I would like to think there's a sense of honesty around it because I think that's the one thing that encapsulates a lot of what we do is like honesty in the process. Can can a logo represent that? That And then that's something that's actually quite profound, right? At this moment in time, if I think about the people buying the tea, I would say that it's going to be people who, if you ask them like, where's that tea from or who made it, they would be able to say like oh eugene and sharice and alex and nate and they talk about like us in hong kong i don't say that like in a big-headed way i mean more like i think people who buy the tea like really connect with the team and also the community you know to say like oh these are the people in the discord that i chat with and like that's why i like this like this group of people and that's what the tea means i always wondered if it would ever create some sort of cult movement and this is obviously me just like speculating but you know how o32c got really popular with the socks yeah i I honestly found that really fascinating but i also think it's because it had a strong point of view on you know fashion and how it looked at fashion i do think there i I can't tell if this is like true or not because we're obviously on the inside well i was gonna say i do think making has a bit of like a if you know you know vibe to it which is also okay like i I think we've discussed this at length that in inadvertently has allowed us to just like do whatever. I mean, yes, the financial aspect has been sort of like fulfilled in other ways, but yeah, it's just, it kind of does what it wants to do. When I think about this too, it's, you know, this is like strategically like this is sort of opening up like how we think about it is that part of me does want to go back to some of the previous stories we've done. And also revisit products because at the time, you know, we might have done these really interesting stories with people that had amazing products, but because we didn't have an outlet to sell it, we never embarked and went down that route. And there's actually quite a few like interesting 
people we could just return to and see like if they'd be interested in creating something together. There are loads. There really are loads. And maybe at that moment, you know, I mean, the two of us changed in our experiences with, like you said, projects has also changed over the past couple of years. And maybe when we started doing editorial, that was like really familiar with us and doing products was a little less. Right. So it didn't occur to us in the same way. But, you know, you just messaged earlier today about doing ceramics with Summerland, for example, which is exciting to me. And then I said this to you about I think it'd be great to stock all of those authors that we've spoken to over the years. Oh, yeah. And for me, it's like, again, this is about freedom and choice. Right. For me, I know we don't make like a huge margin by stocking people's books and selling it. But I just love that connection of like, we did these interviews with authors we, you know, really want to support and think they're they're putting out great work. So it just makes a lot of sense to also have their books available. Yep. Like that's such a direct relationship for me. I think there's a lot to look forward to. It's a small group of things to begin with, but it's an ongoing yeah. For sure. This is not just going to be the only batch of stuff we put out. Yeah. I mean, there's two things I did want to talk about too. It was arriving at at an approach towards the product line. Okay. I think that's also really interesting because we've been very familiar with the world of product e-commerce, but we've never actually done it ourselves. Right. Like we've never gone. And I, that's why I was so... I honestly impressed with the way Sharice and Nate just went and oh, no, tackled no, no. the whole thing. Nate. But yeah, we're like those critics who never actually uh, make the thing themselves. Yeah. But the, the, the thing is, is that I, I would like to think that our level of intentionality comes through. Like, it's not going to be perfect, but at least we kind of know what we want out of the experience. But then also, you know, one thing that we've always been very conscious about is just the price of entry is something that we always consider, right? And I think that price of entry could mean a lot of things. Obviously, the, the, the dispatch tote bag, by virtue of the materials we selected, ends up being very expensive for, for some people, right? And just addressing accessibility, right? That's something that I think is really important too, in that there, there should be different ways for you to interact and support, right? Just like Patreon is not just one flat $50 tier. No, I mean... Yeah. For the record, Patreon is $2, $5, and $8. And not to sound too much like an ad, but if you sign up to be a member and then use the discount in the store, you have made up your money there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so please go visit the Making store. Uh, tell us what you think. Even if you don't wind up buying anything, we'd love to hear your feedback on... The products, what you would like to see in the future. You can find us, you know, regularly at our respective email addresses or on Instagram or on Discord for members. Next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming if you missed it. That's a good place to wrap up. If you are interested in hearing more about Macon, reading and listening to some of our stories focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture, you can visit us at Macon.com. You can subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. If you like this podcast, you can do us a huge favor by sharing this podcast with a friend or supporting us via patreon.com slash making. Patreon members get access to the Making Discord where we talk about episodes of Making It Up and everything else going on in global creative culture. 
Become a member and join us in those conversations. I'm Eugene. I'm Sharice. And this is Making It Up.